0: So many home fragrance scents smell unnatural, super sweet, chemically, or maybe even like a part of the mall you can't wait to escape. And after learning that the candle industry contributes to an insurmountable amount of non-recyclable waste, carbon emissions, and toxicity in our air, I am so happy that Notes Candles exists. Notes Candles is on a mission to help eliminate single-use candle vessels and give home fragrance lovers a more earth-friendly option without giving up high-quality fragrance that actually seems amazing. I have been loving burning the Santal and Atlas Cedar scent. It's woodsy, calming, and smells so good. I can't get enough. I love it. And they have other amazing, one of a kind fragrances like oat milk and balsamberry, vanilla and pepperwood, and pistachio and rose water. Every single one of them is exceptional. Be a responsible consumer while not giving up high quality home fragrance by making the switch to Notes. You can build your custom starter kit right now at notecandles.com slash best of you. Right now, Notes is giving listeners 15% off and free shipping when you buy a Notes starter kit using code best of you. Just use code best of you when placing your order. That's code best of you at notescandle.com slash best of you. Gut health is so important for your overall well-being. That means keeping a culture of good, healthy bacteria populated in your gut so there's no room for the bad stuff your immune system, your digestion, and even your daily mood are directly affected by your gut. I'm a big believer in probiotics. They have been such a help to me as I've healed some persistent gut issues. And Organifi has an organic blend of pre and probiotic capsules that empower your gut, improve digestion, absorb greater nutrition, and promote a strong immune system in just seconds. Organifi Balance capsules are a dynamic five-strain blend with spore-based probiotics for potency and resiliency in convenient, easy-to-take capsules. This potent combination helps support healthy gut flora, maintain healthy gut balance, reduce bloating, reduce abdominal discomfort, regulate elimination with 20 billion CFU guaranteed and no refrigeration needed. Organifi is a line of organic superfood blends that offer plant-based nutrition and high-quality ingredients. Each product is science-backed to craft the most effective dose with ingredients that are organic and free of fillers. And the best part is that you can experience Organifi's high-quality superfoods without breaking the bank. Head over to www.organifi.com/bestofyou and use code BESTOFYOU for twenty percent off your entire order. That's www.organ ifi.com slash best of you. Hey, everyone, I'm Dr. Allison, and I'm so glad you're here to discover what brings out the best of you. This podcast is all about breaking free from painful patterns, mending the past and discovering our true selves in God. I can't wait to get started as we learn together how to become the best version of who we are with God's help. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Best of You podcast. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you keep coming back each week. We are currently going through a series of what I've been calling therapy-adjacent topics. And in today's episode, I wanted to get a guy's perspective on some of the topics we discuss on the podcast, including mental health, building up your support network, relationships, even parenting. We know from the research that men are struggling in many ways. They're struggling with often undiagnosed, unnamed mental health challenges. They're struggling to connect and find support. And my guests today are just doing a great job of talking about some of these topics from a lighthearted, but also a really deep Wise and insightful perspective. I think what they're doing is really relatable and is something that the guys in your lives, whether it's your son, your spouses, your friends, might really benefit from. And so I am so excited today to introduce you to Dave Barnes and John McLaughlin. They are successful musicians and songwriters based out of Nashville, and they are the co hosts of the popular parenting podcast dadville where they talk about a lot of really deep topics with a fair amount of humor as well please enjoy this conversation with dave barnes and john mclaughlin i really loved the conversation that we had when i was on your podcast and the thing that i'm most interested in and i think my audience will be really interested in is this friendship dynamic how you guys are just so open about how you're growing as men, through being dads, also this way that you've connected to each other. There's so much research right now that shows that men struggle in making friendships. They don't know how to do it. We're seeing this with young boys too. So I wanna get there, but I would love just personally to hear a little bit more about your background as musicians.
1: Take it, John. Take it away, Dave. <laughs> See, that's how <laughs> humble we are. We're just constantly, we're trying to make way for each other. So. John's story is, which he'll tell you, he grew up like literally basically playing piano since his fingers could move, which is why one of the reasons he's so good at piano. But I got into it kind of later in life. I played drums growing up. But when I went to college at Middle Tennessee State University here, I kind of got into songwriting and singing and really loved that. And it was a totally out of nowhere God thing. I mean, there's no way to explain what I do for a living other than God's like very dynamic and catastrophically wonderful intervention in my life to change the you know the inertia of my direction where I was going. Not in any dramatic way. I just mean, I, I music was not something that singing and songwriting was not anywhere on my mm-hmm. radar at all. And so uh, when I was there, I just started playing and really enjoyed it and singing and stuff. And then you know, moved here and pretty much started immediately. I worked for another producer for a while and kind of did a record with him. And then since then done it full time. And so that's 20, whatever it is, 22 years now. And, you know, Nashville is the place to do that if you're going to do it because it's got the ecosystem and, you know, you can, you can do it here because there's a way to do it. And so I think that's some of why I continue to keep getting to do it. But um, yeah, I think the longer you do it, you sort of find other things to supplant a little bit of it you know like i write songs for other people now too and we have the podcast it's just you know it's it's like doing music in 2023 is a wildly different thing than doing it in 1985
2: it means that you don't do music full-time
0: yeah sure
1: yeah well it, it, i should say and, and john can speak to this too but if you really do want to have a family if you want to mm-hmm. you know like be home and sort of have any kind of home life you really do have to sort of figure out other things to do to sort of help that. So you're not just gone all the time, you know, but I love it. I mean, I, I wouldn't do anything else mm. yeah, ever, ever, ever. It's the best.
2: Yeah. Like Dave said, which I, I do want to point out that Dave's words are very kind, but it's also a way of him saying like, Oh, you guys have been doing this your whole life. This nomination? Oh, I just, I just started doing this.
0: <laughs> right. You had a head start.
2: But yeah, I, I grew up in a really musical family in Indiana And the family is all still back in Indiana. I'm the only one down here in Nashville. And Dave is actually a huge part of me and my family being down here. And we moved down here about nine years ago. But I grew up in Indiana playing classical piano from the... I mean, I don't have any memories of not having Mm -hmm. piano lessons. And extremely grateful for it because I have no other skills. And so I don't know what else I would do. I'm, I'm glad that podcasting is a thing because then it's like, well, I, I guess I could do that. As long as Dave's with me, I think I could do a podcast. <laughs> we listen to people talk well, is what that means. <laughs> that is exactly what we do. We have smart people like you on and you help us get from yeah, week to week. That's right. So yeah, so I, I moved down here with my family to kind of You know, dabble in the writing for other people thing as well. Once my, I have two daughters, once my oldest daughter came along, up until that point, I had only written and toured for myself. And I Mm -hmm. had this panic moment when Luca was born. I was like, I can never leave the house again. Well, I can't leave now. You know, like Mm -hmm. Amy, my wife was always on the road for seven years. She came out on the road with my band. So it was a huge shift and that's Dave was was starting to write for other people around that time and having massive success and so I moved down here and kind of dabbled in that. It did not work out for me to write for other people. I know nothing about country music at all. So I still tour and and write for myself and I do this podcast with my neighbor Dave.
0: So I want to know how you met and how your friendship was born. And I also hear in both of you that you've had to make some hard decisions along the way. There's these dreams, big dreams, big talent, and then family comes, kids come. You have to make hard decisions. Tell me a little bit just about the maturity, I guess, that is required to both hold on to dreams and steward talents that God has given you Mm -hmm. and also make these hard decisions around your family and being a dad and being a good friend to each other. How does that play out for you? What are some of the, maybe the milestones where you Mm -hmm. saw some of those decisions staring at you in the face and had some come to Jesus moments?
2: Yeah, I mean, as you're talking, what comes to my mind and what comes to my mind often, especially living in Nashville and doing what we do is you have to decide to enjoy the life that God has given you. Because there are a thousand different ways to see your life as a failure. And there's probably sometimes it feels like there's one little tightrope of a way that you can enjoy it and it's there, but you have to decide to enjoy it. I mean, not to throw labels under the bus, but, you know, there is a way that they can and artists as well can turn successes into failures where you do something, it hits, you're on the chart and you were like, oh, we weren't even we were just the goal was here and, and we've exceeded that. Well, now let's move the goal to here because all these people are, we're in the top 20 now. And then, yeah, I mean, Dave has had many number ones. He just had this massive song with this artist that, Dave, you posted the other day, which I thought was a great post. And he wrote this really well-written caption underneath it that, that was celebrating this song that had this massive success. And it got to number two. That is an insanely massive success. But... There's a way that the labels and there's a there's a mindset you can have where you can be like, well, yeah, we thought it was going to be number one, you know, and we didn't quite get there. And you're like, wait a minute, this is a, a huge success story here that, that we should be celebrating. And it's easy, again, in this town with all this activity, with all this creativity and talent, yeah. it's really easy to take that mindset of like, well... I've got this, but it is nowhere near that or that or that, you know. So in order to survive, you j- you kind of have to choose to own the enjoyment of your own life and your own talent, you know.
1: Mm. That's well said, John. And thanks for saying that. John has heard me say this 5,000 times. Change it up. Change the wording up. Okay. <laughs> Music is a lot like roller skating. No, I've heard that one. Oh, you've heard that one. Dadgummit. Pig wrestling. I, I think it's a lot like professional sports in that it really is kind of a young man's game slash young woman's game. And so it runs on Dream Juice. You know, it's like it's all about what the next thing is and where you're taking it and where it's going. It's not so much about maintenance. You know, it's about what the next thing is and what gets hard. And you ask such a good question, Allison. It's like what gets hard as you get older and your priorities change is that really doesn't help your business. Because the minute you have kids and you get married and you have kids and you have this life like this home life your dreams start to divert, you know, and all of a sudden this engine that has run on this juice, suddenly your family is the new engine that runs on that juice. Mm-hmm. And so you're looking at this thing at the side kind of going like, man, ooh, what are we going to put in that now? You know, and so yeah. it's a really tricky, weird occupation that way because it's like, you know, I, I laugh with a lot of my friends too because, you know, novelty is king in our industry. And so you you spike fast, you know, you come out and you catch and all of a sudden you shoot, you know, you, you're, you're at the top of that chart. And then you're kind of like, somewhat of a descending the rest of your career you know and and you'll stay and you'll plateau but like I laugh with my friends because like we'll go get coffee and they just got the CFO job CEO job and they're they're 45 you know they're Mm -hmm, climbing Mm -hmm, and I'm kind of waving on the way down a little bit and so and thankfully it doesn't mean you can't be successful and and still enjoy it because John and I both do it's extreme I mean I probably never enjoyed it more you know Mm -hmm. which is great I, I don't feel like we've ever been better at it if you think about the 10,000 hours principle, but at the same time, you know, it's just a tricky, it's a tricky job because you kind of realize like a lot of my friends are just now hitting their peak. And, you know, you kind of do that in your twenties when you're us, because that's when it is the most valuable, it's the most interesting. It's the newest, it's the, you got to go see him live. He's awesome. And then, you know, the 10th time you've seen somebody live, it's still great, but it's, you know, some of that magic has changed into nostalgia, which is totally fine, but it just makes for, you really have to have maturity about it to your point, Alison. It's like, you kind of have to know how to, And like John is saying, to think about it, to not walk off stage and go, man, when I played here three times ago, there were three times more people. But instead go, man, there's still people coming to my shows that really enjoy it. And I still can do this for a living, you know.
0: It takes some soul work. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, and I think you guys get there's a height then because it's such a you're in Nashville. You're in this incredibly unique pool of musicians. But I, I think what I'm hearing is you guys have made choices and and we all have to do this work, whether it's, you know, whatever your job is, whatever, you know, somebody's always got a bigger boat, whatever the thing is in your life. But for you guys, you didn't have to make the choices you made. You know, you you've made decisions to keep your souls intact that you didn't have to make, And I guess I'm just curious, in one sense, what do you attribute that to? I love your image of the tightrope, right? To just kind of stay on it, continue to love what you do, but not fall off either side, you know, either side of just losing your soul to stay on top, you know, (laughs) killing yourselves and all your relationships. Or I think the other side of that tightrope might be just giving up altogether Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. on these talents.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that, Some of the things that have kept me going are, one, I just, like Dave, I just absolutely love creating music and performing music. I just I just love it. I mean, when people ask, like, you know, what would you do if money were no object? You have a billion dollars in the bank. What would you do? I don't know. I would get more massages, but I don't think anything in my life would change. (laughs) You know what I mean?
0: That's amazing.
2: I get the house painted. I don't know. So that is huge. I mean, there is what I'm doing and what Dave and I are doing. Our souls are involved. So it's easier to not be quite so drawn to the results of something. And I'm not saying that I'm above that. I definitely, you know, I have a new song coming out here soon. I'm like, I want it to do well. I want it to get on some playlists. Mm -hmm. I want people. So that's still there. But there is a there's a very real element of the work is already done I created this song that it could do nothing I could even not release it and there's I still have a huge box checked just internally of like I created this thing there's this sort of like beautiful you know relationship with just the art itself not to sound cheesy there but
0: I love that. The irony of what you guys are saying is I think you could be Daniel Day-Lewis and have that feeling of it could be better.
2: Yeah. I could have yeah.
0: more. And that tension that you're describing is probably endemic in any creative. So the illusion is if I got to that number one or if I got to that whatever, oh, I'll finally feel But But the reality is you get there and there's something else. Yeah. And so right. what you're saying is so beautiful. The The work is constantly remembering I created this beautiful piece of art.
2: That's it. Well, and that, that's another thing that is a huge gift that I have seen time and time and time again. That that sort of myth of like you will you get to the top of the mountain and you've made it. And there there just is no Doesn't made exist. it. There is there's nothing up there. You can get to number one, but there's always again, there's always some way that you can spin it. If you're doing it for the wrong reasons, there's some way that it won't give you what you are looking for. If you're needing success in your job to give you something, it's it's not going to give it to you.
1: It's just ladders that lead to more ladders. <laughs> yeah. <Exactly.
0: laughs> yeah. And I think, again, that it's such a subtle nuanced thing where there's ambition, there's drive, there's talent that are not bad things. Hmm. And you want to do well, of course. I think sometimes in the Christian community, especially, it can be too easy to have sort of a pseudo- humility, you know, to kind of just repress that all together. I see this in women. I'm sure it's there for men, you guys tell me. And yet you want to do well, but you don't want to find your identity in it because that is the thing that is a house of cards that is mm-hmm. never going to last.
1: Well, I think the thing you, you have to realize at some point, all of us, and it doesn't matter industry or gender, we are co-creators. We are the church We are the bride to Jesus, and that means that God initiates relationship with us. He initiates so much of our relationship. It's two ways. You know, it's like God being with us and us being with God. And I think when we think about creation and and jobs, especially and really anything, we have to get to this place. And it's just such a struggle for me where it's like, we have to create and then stop. We have to work and then stop because one of the parts of faith that's so paramount is realizing that I have done what I feel called to do. And I can't do anything more than that. And it is God's from now on, Mm. from this point we push the boat out and we wave and we go back to our family. Right. And I think it's really hard when we, when we attach too much identity to what we create we forget that there's a faith element at play that, you know, we can only do, we want to do the best we can with our part of that creation, but it ends, it's a finite thing. Like, Mm -hmm. and I think one of the famous painters from, you know, whatever the last 5,000 years said, you know, no great art is finished. It's just abandoned. And I think that's Mm -hmm. true with a lot of kind of work. We all kind of feel like, man, if you could give me 10 more minutes, I can get these numbers right or whatever, you know, I don't think it's at all uh, specific to creation or creative careers, but You know, I think it's easier to understand there where you feel like, God, let me just that, that part right there, the bridge, we could get that a little. And at some point it's like, it doesn't matter. It's like, Mm -hmm. you really have to trust. Like I've done my best. I'm abandoning or truthfully, it's probably a better metaphor. Honestly, it's like, I'm abandoning this work to God so he can finish it and and fulfill it. Mm -hmm. And some of that stuff never gets finished. And you get really sad You realize like, man, that didn't achieve what I wanted it to, and then some does. But I mean, I think the eternal perspective, when you lay it over our, if you can have that perspective and lay over our current experiences, it's game changing because you just reprioritize everything. You realize that kids are the real work, our family is the real work, our church is the real work, our relationships are the real work. The work is wonderful, like our jobs are wonderful, but they are, they're gonna burn. Like it's all gonna burn, like it's not going to heaven with us, you know? Now, what God can use it for in our lives to shape us and mold us to become better people is very valuable. And some of it has really profound work in the world. I mean, I believe, John, our music and you know your books, it's like these things do matter. They have eternal weight, but not near what we think they do. And I think yeah. the sadness I see and one of the things that I think compels me so much with Dadville is to sit with other men and hear them going, no, I, I think that too. Like, I love my work. I want to do well, but gosh, the real work to me is like, you know, John and I laugh all the time. One of our great qualifiers as dads is like, we just want our kids to want to come home when they're 25 and hang out with us for a weekend. Like that's a win. Like we have done it. And to me, if you're not careful, you're going to have a lot of awards on your wall and kids who don't want to come home. And you know, it's like, is that really what you want? So I think when you lay the eternal perspective on top of that and you go backwards to forwards, you realize like, oh man, to get there, I need to make some different decisions because that means probably some less awards on my wall but kids who are like man we're coming home next week dad and you're like yes you know and so they can end up staying in that room that was going to have the awards anyway so it all works out you know (laughs)
0: It's so frustrating to check a label only to find all sorts of hidden sugars, especially when it's vitamins for your kids. Haya vitamins are made with zero sugar and zero gummy junk, yet they taste great and are perfect for picky eaters. Formulated with the help of nutritional experts, Haya is pressed with a blend of 12 organic fruits and veggies, then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals including D, B12, C, zinc, folate, and many others to help support immunity, energy, brain function, mood, concentration, tea, bones and more Haya is designed for kids of all ages and sent straight to your door so parents have one less thing to worry about the bright yellow bottle complete with stickers and great taste makes taking vitamins fun for kids of all ages We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin receive 50% off your first order to claim this deal you must go to hayahealth.com/ best of you this deal is not available on the regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash best of you and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. I'm always looking for ways to try to build healthier habits and maximize health across every front. And that's why I'm so thrilled that this podcast is sponsored by Aquatroop. AquaTrue is a water purifier that uses a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. That's a fancy way of saying the water goes through a very thorough filtering process. AquaTrue removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters. I love my AquaTrue. I just fill up my giant water bottle so I can be drinking water throughout the day, which I know is so good for my body and best of all, without the waste of plastic water bottles. AquaTrue uses the same technology utilized by all the major bottled water brands, but it's available for your home without the plastic waste. The countertop purifiers work with no installation, are plumbing. They're so easy to install and they last a long time. An AquaTrue filter can last from six months to as long as two years. It's time to get peace of mind with AquaTrue. Today, my listeners receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code You at checkout. Plus, AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't like it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. One last time, that's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use code You. So tell me about, first of all, the ages of your kids.
2: So Dave and I have, our kids exactly stair-step. Dave has three and I have two in the middle. Mine are 10 and almost eight. And Dave, yours are 11... Seven 11, and nine? Roughly.
0: Yes. Yeah, they're
1: they're alive in here. They're uh, alive. They are, no, they're 11, nine, and six, about to be seven. Yeah, yeah.
0: How has becoming a parent, how has it brought out some of your own growth and your own healing? Because that, that's a pretty deep thing, what you said. Like, I realized, here's what I actually want. I've now got to reverse engineer my life to get there. So how did that bring up stuff inside of you then to ensure that happens?
1: Uh, Let's, can we end here and just, it's been a great (laughs) podcast. I've really enjoyed it. I've really, really (laughs) enjoyed it. You know,
2: one of the first episodes we did was with this guy named Stephen James, and he was, he was kind of our first like expert that we had on the podcast. Mm -hmm. And I have quoted that episode so many times. I mean, it was years ago and it was, it was such a pivotal moment, I feel like, for me as a parent, because there was this one scenario that I was talking about, I've said it a million times, but where I was worried about Luca, my oldest. It was like, she was going to school for the first time, Kindergarten starting, we're having a, the parents are having a meeting, the kids are all outside playing. And I could not focus on anything that was happening in the meeting. I was just looking out the window, just looking at like, is she playing with other kids? Like, is anybody being mean to her? Is she being left out, is She, you know? And she was just kind of playing by herself. The whole time, and I'm like, "Ah, I really want her to make a friend. Like, these kids are playing together. Why isn't Luca over there? You know? And he's like, Dude, that this is one thousand percent your problem. This is Luca is fine. She's playing with a leaf. She was fine. You know? (laughs) So that was kind of my first lesson in that. I mean, it was one of those moments where like he sort of pointed this one thing out to me. And it's like when you see an ant on the ground and then all of a sudden you see like another ant and then a thousand ants. It was like, oh, I, I can see how I'm doing this 10 times a day with the things that I'm worried about. It really sort of like trimmed away a lot of what I thought were my legitimate concerns with my daughters and really made me see like, OK, there some of these are actually them and let's keep those all these other ones you really need to work on those for yourself and it and it made me realize how important it is to operate i mean this goes for anything but as a parent as a husband as a friend as a coworker i mean how important it is to to as much as we can operate out of security and health you know mm-hmm. like to start there and how much as a as a parent how much of my behavior during the day like at the end of the day when I lay my head on the pillow how much of the way I handled any given situations how much of that was because of just me and what I was going through and the baggage in my head and what I was bringing into the room versus you know what the situation actually called for you know so it's made me it's kind of forced me to to realize those elements that are at play you know.
1: Which I'd been telling him for years, years. but he just wasn't years. paying attention to. So in
2: song, and I just never listened <laughs> to the music.
1: Yeah, I mean, the the, the I'll, I'll say two things quickly. I think one, it's given me a lot of grace for my parents. Like I think mm. one of the things that I think is really easy as you grow up and mature is to get to that age where you suddenly see that your parents didn't do everything right. You know, mm-hmm. whatever. And some people that's fifteen. Some it's you know, for me it was kind of like late late teens into twenties. And it's easy to just kind of go scorched earth with that, you know, just kind of come home and be like, let me tell you everything you didn't do right. And boy, when you get engaged and married, that quadruples because you have somebody else going, hey, so fun fact about your mom or your dad or your dad. But I think when you have kids, you suddenly realize like, oh, man, this is hard this is really hard. And there's not a, I mean, there's a guide in that we have the Bible, which I'm thankful there's a guide in great books, but there's not a guide, 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 guide. No. There's no definitive answer to every problem you're going to have. And I think for me, that was a huge moment to realize like, man, we're everybody's kind of doing the best they can, whatever that looks like. And that's going to change according to what they were given as kids and their parents. But That was helpful. And then I think the other thing, you know, kind of that John and I talk a lot about, it's like this idea that you can only take your kids as far as you've gone yourself, you know, just spiritually and emotionally. And as John said, just health wise. And so it's, it's compelling to continue to do your own work so that you can, you know, keep sort of trying to lead your kids that way as opposed to, truncating that. And then when they're 25, they passed your maturity, you know, and they come home and go like, man, dad's like a 10 year old, you know, like when he gets mad or, you know, he just can't talk about this one thing. Cause yeah. he just, you know, and I think that's a, that's, you know, we've seen on dadville so much where really wise people say like, Hey, you got to keep, that's one thing Steven said. I think in, in that, in that podcast, John's referencing, it's like, it's just compelling. You know, you're kind of like, all right, I got to keep doing my work, you know?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've, we talked a little bit about when I came onto your podcast, this, and you guys have said it so well, the, the goal of parenting isn't perfection. It's, it's what you're saying. It's, it's to keep that connection ongoing. And, Mm -hmm. and that's where, where the rubber hits the road is really when your kids are adults, do they want to still come to you? Is there a safe place for them to come to you and Mm -hmm. say, actually, when you did that, that wasn't great. Mm -hmm. And you can take that because mm-hmm. that's what keeps connection alive. Right. That's right. what keeps connection alive. It's not that you your goal is that your kids won't ever have a problem with you or ever come to you and say, hey, you know, it's that you will be safe enough so that when they do, you've done enough work and all humility to say, you know what, you might have a point there.
1: And just so we say it again, I almost wish people would just hit the 15 seconds back and hear what you said twice, Allison, because I just can't think we, what kind of deluded people do we think we are that we are going to parent in a way that our kids at 30 sit down with us and go at Outback Steakhouse over Bloomington and you go, you know what guys, you just stuck it. You stuck the landing. I have come <laughs> out unscathed. I have only amazing things to say about. I just think that's another problem. And I think we all laugh at that, but I, I think if we're really, really honest, we think that I can dysfunctionally operate in a way like I'm trying to have the perfect card here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, John does such a good job talking about this, but, you know, this idea that like, that's not what we're shooting for. We're really just trying to keep communication lines open and to be real and authentic. And, you know, the rupture and repair idea that like, for what we do rupture, we come back to repair. But if I'm not careful, I really am going for that. Like I'm in my sinful fallen brain going, man, I just want an a, at least an a, I'll take an a minus, but you know, where it's like, <laughs> and it's just a terrible way to go about life. Cause it just assumes way too much control. And The sense that there is such a thing as sort of doing it right or whatever that is.
2: Yeah, and I get terrified when I'm in this headspace of just like, I know I have let go of the myth that I'm going to nail this, that I'm going to hit like some sort of parenting bullseye. It doesn't exist. But I'm like, when that day comes and they do come back home and they sit down with Amy and I and they're like, okay, here are some of the things that were hard. I'm like, I just want to know what they are. I want to be one step ahead because they're going to come in and they're going to say the thing that I'm going to be like, no, no, I nailed that. I know I did. I was at every single practice. I I thought you were going to say I never used the reusable bags at the grocery store, but what you're saying, I know I nailed. You know what I mean? i love well, it you know what
1: you know what it is i say this every now and then but but that that is the thing i think especially that happens when you meet your spouse is there's a uh, this is the analogy i always use there's a tableau in your house that you've seen a hundred times walking out the door you just know that tableau it's the Barnes tableau we and then you bring your spouse and they look up at it and they're like oh that is and you're like yeah and they're like why is that um a woman eating that bear and you're like oh that's the woman that eats a bear that's deborah and they're like that's disturbing. You're like, you know, when I say it out loud, that is really disturbing. You know, it's like, and then you sort of work your way through this tableau and you have this part and it's like, that's some weird family stuff. And you're like, you know, now that you are here, it does feel weird, and so you kind of like into John's point. I just don't want to be like, "Honey, that's the bear eating woman." Why are you mad about this? Yeah. But I can go. Oh no, we do have a bear eating woman <laughs> in our tableau. We need to be okay with that. You know.
0: Yeah, it's like that human. It's like the shame that comes from being caught at something yeah. we didn't have a chance to yeah. Pre, yeah. Con, yeah. You know, pre-condition yeah. ourselves to acclimate to.
1: Right, yeah. right, right. It's
0: vulnerable.
1: Which that's the thing. And so the question is, how do you not get surprised? And the answer is community. It's it's people that can be in your life that look at you and go, hey, Dave, like you have this quirk, and I love you, and we love you, and we're committed to this relationship, but you kind of do this when this happens. And you're like, oh, shoot. And they're like, it's okay. We're here. But when you've had that conversation 15 years before your your daughter sits down and has that conversation with you, you're able to go like, you're right, honey. Like, that's actually one of my blind spots. And I know that because I'm in a group of people that love me enough to go like, hey, you kind of have this blind spot. Because if you don't have that community, that is going to be a really hard conversation, a really hard conversation. And I think if you look at the history of mankind, especially America, over the last 75 years, you think about the greatest generation and the generations that follow, you know they're coming back from World War One and Two, and the last thing, and rightfully so, the last thing they just want to be left alone, and and all the trauma that's happened. But what that hands down generation to generation is this: Hey, we are individuals; we take care of ourselves. That's none of your business. Yeah. And so then we have seen, and our parents' generation has seen when you try to sit and have this conversation with your parents, it does not go well. Because who are you to tell me how I failed? Do you know who failed me? My dad, who didn't, who left when I was five. And all that is fair, but I think it doesn't invite this communal learning that is absolutely part of our faith. I mean, there's nothing to me that's almost as compelling about Christianity as the idea that we are a body Yeah. and that God is always pushing us toward each other. Always, yeah. always, always. And without it, you have these conversations again, like John said, where they come home at 30 and they go, hey, Dad, you get really mean when this happens and you want to go, no, uh-uh. But if you've had someone sit with you exactly. fifteen years before and go, "Hey, bro, you go, you get really mean what this happened? you're like, "Oh, shoot!" You know, so it becomes a common vernacular, and you just know. And again, that's your work. That's the work, right? Is you're sort of spelunking the end of yourself to, and hopefully, in a healthy way, to kind of go like, "Oh, I may have some blind spots after all," you know.
0: It's a muscle you have to exercise. Yeah, and if you've never exercised that muscle to be able to see your own blind spots, to be able to see what's hard about yourself, I have a friend who I says shame doesn't age well. Mm -hmm. And so and because all that's shame. Right. And so if you've never had little bits of exposure to the little bit of, oh, ouch, that hurts that you're Mm -hmm. seeing my family in this way or you're seeing this side of me. But, oh, I can survive it. And actually it draws us closer. And actually you still love me. If you haven't been working on that incrementally, it just builds and builds to the point where you become that older person that can't take any real feedback that can't be seen. Part of why I wanted to have you guys on is this is what you're doing on your podcast, creating a space for dads, for men to have these conversations as only guys can, you know, with a lot of humor and it's fun, but there's a lot of depth in it. I know a lot of my listeners are going, you know, I don't know how to get my husband to engage in community in the way you guys are talking about where Mm -hmm. he's open to some of these hard conversations where he's doing this work of seeing some of his own stuff. And so talk to me a little bit about that. How do we encourage men to do exactly what you're describing, which is just be in community, be talking about what's hard, be talking about what's scary about being a dad. This is really vulnerable stuff. Mm -hmm. How do we encourage that?
1: I was looking at your questions and I, I loved this one because I think it's a one. It's just a wonderful question. But I was I actually thought about this for a while, and I think the, t- the two things that I thought about, and you're right. I don't know. if There's a definitive answer, but the two things I found myself thinking about is one. I think there has to be an ex- agreement that everyone is struggling with something. Like there's no such place where every man is good. Like I'm I'm just good. I'm good. It's like that in in the Christian space, especially. Like that is antithetical. Like that's just not a reality. Like God didn't create perfect guys who, you know, roam the earth for 80 years and then die. And they're like, no, oh, pretty good. So at some degree, we, we, as men are all struggling with really a myriad of things, but I would say, especially a few things, whatever they are. So I think there has to be an understanding, you know, moms, if you're thinking about your husband, it's in there, it is in there. If we believe anything about humans, it's in there. And then it's about, you know, my favorite quote, John is heard me says quote, uh, many times, but I think it's especially you know potent in this conversation, which is I heard someone say anytime we come together sharing our strengths, it breeds competition. Anytime we come together sharing our weaknesses, it breeds community. And so the thing that I always encourage my friends who are struggling in this space is like just start being really vulnerable. And that sounds crazy because guys like no no no. But I think two things. I think that you know and you know this, Alice, you may have said this, but like men do a better job, you know, look in the same direction they do at each other. So that's a fishing trip, a drive, a trip together, watching sports, that usually helps a little bit because it's not quite as intense as like just really eyeballing (laughs) somebody being like, you know, I'm really struggling with lust. And they're like, "Uh, do you mean with me? Or why are you staring at me like that? So I think one, you know, try to think of ways that we can be together as men that don't maybe feel quite as imposing. But two, when I heard that quote, it changed my life because I realized that I had these friends who I had a really hard time connecting with. I love And so I literally, it became sort of like a joke. Like I would just sit and just be vulnerable. And it would nine times out of the 10 elicited amazing conversations and relationships that were so helpful to me because I would go, Hey, I'm having a really hard time with this right now. And I don't know what to do. And nine times out of 10, they go, dude, do you know how hard that is for me? And all of a sudden you're like, here we go. We're in like, we're in, we're in the juju. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. And and it would just take the bravery of going like, Hey, and it doesn't mean you have to be like, you know, like the most bear you've ever been. But I think sometimes I just go like, Hey, my kids and not like they're hard or I don't like, you know, they're being punks, but say like, like let's use emotion words and say they really make me sad sometimes. Like, or I'm, I'm really struggling with feeling like I'm not being a good dad. It is rare that I've ever had that conversation. So I'd be like, man, that sucks. <laughs> and then you're like, okay, <laughs> you know, that mm-hmm. was good. And high five and we're out of here. But you usually find somebody goes, dude, me too. Like last week. And then you're off, you're off to the races. And so for me, it's become a test pattern that i love doing which is like in those moments of friendships where i'm like why is this not working i'm like it's probably because nobody's being vulnerable it's probably because we're just not being honest because the minute we are it creates this crazy bond that really feels and it gets easier the more you do and really because everybody is again it goes back to point one like everybody's struggling with something so you know it's it's you're not gonna Find somebody who's like, I don't have problems. You know, and if you do, then you, they're probably not going to be a great friend <laughs> anyway. Yeah. You know, yeah. I wouldn't advise hanging out with whoever yeah. that is, you know. But um, just for me, that has been wildly helpful for me and my friendships, you
2: know. Yeah, I don't know that I have anything to add to that. I just agree wholeheartedly with everything you said. I mean, it, it really is, I guess, about just who's going to take the first step in a group of guys. I mean, we always laugh about this, Amy and I, Dave and I. You know, you can have a group of guys do a guy's night and the night after the girls do a girl's night. And like, I'll come home from a guy's night and Amy will be like, oh, was Matt there? Yeah, he was there. Oh, my gosh. How is how's his, you know, his mom doing? She's in the hospital. I'm like, oh, I actually didn't know that. You you didn't talk about that? You hung out for four hours. What did you guys talk about? (laughs) You know, we were just joking the whole time, you know, which is great, which is great. But. I do. I thousand percent agree with Dave in that I don't I've never been in a situation where I or somebody in the room makes some one little baby step toward out of like jokey land toward vulnerability and is just left hanging. It just doesn't happen. And I, And I think that, like Dave said, like the the more you do it, the easier it is and the longer it's been since you've done it. The, the bigger that lie of like, no, 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 you're the only one. They don't want to talk about how they yell at their kids because they don't yell at their kids. You yell at your kids. No one else does, you know. So it's, you said, uh, you're not sure if there's an answer to this question. I don't know that there's like an, a, an easy answer to the question other than somebody's just got to take that little baby step toward vulnerability and believe that they're not going to be left hanging. Because like Dave said, everybody has something that they want to talk to somebody about. And it's just not as socially acceptable for a myriad of reasons in our society for men to do that. you know. And I think the older you get, the harder it is.
0: How do your wives encourage you toward male friendships?
2: You know, it's funny. I think wisdom, I-
1: I'm not saying that we do this well, because I think this takes a lot of time and wisdom, but the older I get, the more I'm realizing there are times I look at any and go, I don't know that I can help you with this. I think this is better with your girlfriends. And I think the same for her to look at me and go like, this sounds like stuff I'm a little underqualified to answer or is not appropriate for me to be a part of, mm. you know, mm. and I don't even mean lust, like all oh, that's I just mean like this just because I can't relate to you. I'm not going to be able to look at you and go like, bro, I know that life. It's going to be like Duh. or, you know, you can give terrible advice because you just go, well, then stop doing it. You know, because it's easy for you not to do it as a man or a woman And so I think a lot of wisdom comes from knowing like what are the things that just I shouldn't like that's not for me to Navigate with you, you know, because I can't relate to it and there'll be a woman that You know for my wife that she gets it down that woman goes I know exactly what you're saying where I can be like, let me think about that I mean I could get that I don't really feel that way, you know So I think some of it is just knowing like hey, when is it not my turn to do that?
0: Our mental health and our physical health are so deeply intertwined. That's why it's so important to pay attention to your food, your supplements, and how you're moving your body. There's no one-size-fits-all approach when it comes to your health, which is why I'm so excited to introduce you to today's sponsor, Wild Health. Wild Health is revolutionizing the healthcare industry with genetics-based precision medicine, and their newly launched premium program truly gives concierge medicine a whole new meaning. You start by doing Wild Health's proprietary genetic test, a comprehensive blood panel, and a thorough medical intake. And from all that data, you receive a 50-page personal health report detailing your ideal nutrition, exercise, and recovery plan, as well as your neurobehavioral and microbiome health and genetic risk factor for chronic disease. It's unbelievable. Better yet, Wild Health just opened 10 spots in their premium program for best of you listeners. So if you've been searching for a better alternative to traditional healthcare and want to take your health to new heights, look no further. Visit www.wildhealth.com premium to apply for membership today. I am always looking for ways to save time and money while also maximizing health benefits, and that's why I am thrilled to have discovered Thrive Market. Thrive Market is my go-to for all my grocery and household essentials, and the convenience of getting everything online and quickly shipped to my doorstep is just un beatable. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories, and I can easily use their on-site filters to get really specific about what matters to me. For example, I can filter out low sugar, non-dairy, gluten-free, any of those very specific dietary needs that anyone in your family might have. And as a Thrive Market member, I save money on every single grocery order. On average, I save about 30% each. Each time, And best of all, when you join Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join and they give a membership away. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash best of you for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash best of you. Thrivemarket.com best Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. And if you want to take your conversations with your audience to the next level, you can use Q&A, you can use polls, you can use all the things to get them talking. With Spotify for podcasters, you can earn money in so many ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. I've been using Spotify for podcasters, and it is so easy to use to get your work out into the world. So if you want to make a podcast, I recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. It's so interesting, the whole thread through all this, we talked about art, creativity, work. We talked about being a dad. We talked about of friendship, this whole friendship thing, the whole theme is really about letting go of control. And I think of that metaphor where you were saying you push the boat out, you do your best and you push the boat out with your art. But in a way, John, when you were talking about your little girl, you know, being at school, in a way, you know, you did your best, you equipped her, and then you had to kind of let her go that day and not micromanage, you know, her, you know, and and obsess over is she making friends. You kind of had to let it go and trust her to God, right? There's this constant kind of, it, it reminds me of these attachments that we talk about where... You know, healthy attachment isn't grabbing on. It's this back and forth, It's this flow of pouring in and then letting go. And it's really the same with our spouses. You might say, you know, I wonder if there's some guys that you might want to check in about that, and then you got to let it go. They might, they might not, right? You can't orchestrate it. And I, everything you're saying, there's sort of this theme of you say what you can. you might name something, even when you guys are talking about with a group of guys, you're like, well, I can try to be vulnerable here and then I let it go. and Typically, guys take the bait. Sometimes they don't.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and you know what's hard? I think that you're you're saying too. And this is I don't know that there's harder work personally, maybe in life and relationships than marriages where you're trying to respect one, trying not to be codependent because I think we are all exactly. that way, even in the sneakiest levels. Because it feels great when your spouse comes to you and goes, "Hey, I need help," and you're like, <laughs> "You've come to the right person," you know. But to have enough wherewithal and wisdom and maturity to go. I want to answer this so bad because it would make me feel so good. And it'd make me feel good. You looking at me that way. It's, I don't know that I can help you here. Let's get you. And all of a sudden the healthiest marriages I know have so much of that, that they really are two people that are married to each other. They're not one person. They are in some ways, but, and that is a hard discipline to have, but the thing that comes from it, and here's a full circle to your point, when I go, Hey, I don't know if I can help you that it actually pushes my spouse back into community. And I think there's nothing more dangerous to me than I see older couples who they are their best friends and they have drank the Kool-Aid until they're both green. And you're like, you guys have lost the plot because you're just mirrors. You're just echo chambers of each other agreeing with each other into oblivion to where you're irrelevant as people anymore because you just sort of agree with each other, live in your little mountain and you're not coming back down to earth with the rest of us. And then the healthiest couples are the ones that are are the opposite. They're in community. They're going, hey, my husband has these guys that he talks to that stuff about. And some of it I don't even know about. And some of it we talk about together. And then I have my women. I go, you know, and I think that is like really counterintuitive in some ways. You think, well, we're married. We're the safe place for each other. And he, Yes, you are. But again, this is a communal experience. Like this is meant to be shared. And some of the most dysfunction I've had to deal with in my marriage is believing that thing that I think the church can really has to be careful about. It's like you are one in front of the Lord. And so, husbands, you stand before your wives and you answer for them. And some of that is true. Some of it is true. But you have a relationship. Your husband has a relationship with God, like and with people. And I think we have to hold that space carefully because it can really. Compound that struggle already, like because he doesn't need friends when he's got you. Like he's just going to tell you everything, and then you listen. And he's like, "I'm good. I'm and why she didn't go to bed." Where instead of having the discipline to be like, "This is going to be hard," but I don't know, honey. Why don't you talk to Fred about that? Oh, okay. Well, usually you want to talk about it. Well, well, maybe I shouldn't do that anymore. You know, it's hard to do.
0: The image that I use is the overlapping circles of the Venn diagram. We don't become one as one unit. We have a steadfast overlapping portion of our two circles that is bedrock, but we also each have circles off of that and some of them don't overlap. And so I really appreciate what you're saying there. You know, marriage is a, it's, it's autonomy and connection. And again, that's this whole tension of holding things loosely where you can name some things. And, and, you know, sometimes our partners don't do the things that we want them to do, but that doesn't mean we can't name a couple things and then be really healthy in our own circles. It does take a community. For our listeners, I would encourage you to check out your Dadville podcast and encourage your husbands and your significant others and the guys in your life as well. I think a lot of folks would benefit from it, but especially the guys, because you are having these kinds of conversations in a way that's so relatable as guys. And so Mm -hmm. I appreciate that you're doing that. And I just, I hope you'll keep having these conversations as a place for men, for dads, right? Mm-hmm. To to just hear guys talking about exactly what you guys were just talking about. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, me too, because I'm hearing on a podcast now, right? It's yeah. one level removed from vulnerability. And I just think it's so great that yeah. you're doing that.
2: Well, we have learned a ton from the podcast. Oh, yeah. And thank yeah, you and for bringing our credibility up by <laughs> coming on the podcast. And hopefully there are guys all around hearing stuff that probably their wives have said ten times, but they hear it someplace else. And they're and then they're like they hear know, it I a deeper octave. They're podcast. like, actually that that resonates with me. <laughs> that sounds good.
0: So tell me a little bit about what went into what was your decision to start it out of your friendship.
2: Well, so as I said before, Dave is my neighbor. We live literally we could share Wi Fi and sometimes do that. <laughs> I didn't know that. where you're going with why. I was like, where's he gonna live? Wi-Fi? Okay. Wi-Fi. Good, good. Yeah. And, you know, we've known each other for 20 plus years. And so, you know, and our kids play together all the time. We sort of, it was born out of this like, hey, we're often sitting in our backyards or on our porch, like talking about our kids, talking about like just our lives and our kids are our lives right now to a great extent. And so one day Dave was like, hey, would you want to do a podcast called Dadville? And I was like, yeah. And that was it. <laughs> That's
1: cool. Yeah, I mean, it's what you said, Allison. Ultimately, some of the subterfuge afoot is that we're trying to create a venue for dads to talk about what they actually really love to talk about, that they don't always get the venue to do. And that's their kids and their family. I mean, and so, in their lives and all those things. But I don't know many dads that if you really cue them up to talk about their kids, they that they like, no, I'm good. You know, but yeah. I just think, and I'm not going to go on like a society bender why the world doesn't do that, but... You know, it's not great at doing that. There's not a lot of great venues, you know, guys at business meetings aren't going, can we pause and just how's, how's Carla doing is, you know, that's just not happening. And so I think for us, it's fun to kind of feel like, Hey, this is a place we can do that. Like, let's talk about that. What are you scared of? What are you excited about? What, you know, what are you learning? What do you want to do better? You know? And so I think we've just been so encouraged because people really enjoy it. And I think people enjoy hearing that because there is a communal, you know, sense to it.
0: I love that you've created that space where it's normalizing just guys talking about what matters. And so I want to, in closing, I want to ask you two questions. You guys actually asked this of me. What
2: do you want your kids to say at your funeral? Yeah.
0: I would like to hear your guys' answers to that. Ooh,
2: It's tough. And in this moment, I sympathize with all (laughs) 100 people. All of (laughs) of a sudden, I'm I'm like, like, why do we make people do this? This is awful. No, it's, hard. I, it's it's hard because obviously there's just so much. It's an overwhelming whenever you, you know, like distill it all down to the, a moment like that, you're like, "Well, there's too much in there. How do I sum it up?" Yeah. Yeah. But I think yeah. that I I mean, we this gets to what we talked about a little bit before. If I heard them say, you know, we could tell him anything, he would always listen and we knew that he loved us unconditionally. I mean, That would be, I I would be elated, you know? I mean, what more could you want? If we had that relationship and they knew that they could always tell me anything, knowing that... Because part of the frustration becoming a parent, and one of the best parts about becoming a parent for me, was... This feeling, and it it has affected my faith. It has affected my relationship with my parents. It's this feeling of like, it's a different love than you've ever felt before. It is this unconditional love that no other relationship, it's just in a different category, you know? And part of the frustration day to day when I'm talking to my kids sometimes is I'm like, there's just no way I can really get across to you how much I love you. You just can't get it across, you know, and hopefully one day if they have kids, then they'll feel it. And then, as I said, like, it will inform their relationship with me and and with God, this unconditional love. And so if at the end of my life, they say, "I," on some sense, we knew that and we knew that we could always go to him. That would be amazing.
0: That's beautiful.
2: I think, you know, that they could always go to John. No, um, (laughs) I think...
1: uh, Dad's gone, but gosh, we can still go to your John. John's Thank still you. Here. It means a lot. We're gonna be okay. I think two things I think, you know, there's a million answers, but I think the main two that I think of right now are one that we'll miss him because I think it'd just be powerful to think that you ended well, that it wasn't sort of like we were kind of waiting for this a little bit. And we love him, but like boy, it got weird there at the end.
0: You know. Yeah, but it that,
1: happens. you know, that that. I feel like I see that a lot with parents where it's like, as they get older, it just gets trickier. And and I just I just pray that I can end that well, that they still feel as, that they do miss me, you know, that it's mm-hmm. like. And then I think too, exactly what John said. I think some version of they just knew that, that I loved them, you know, which is really simple, but it's true. Just that they'd say, we never
2: doubted that, you know.
0: What would you want your younger self to know about being a dad that you know now?
2: You know, I think whenever we have, guests on dadville who are further down the road if they like their kids are older or they're out of the house or whatever i do feel like dave and i you know we laugh about this but uh we always have a string of questions that have the theme of like it's like we're asking them like tell us everything's going to be okay please just just tell us it's all going to be okay and and i feel like that would be what i would want to say because that's what i wanted to hear and that's what I still want to hear. But I would want to just say to my younger self, like, I know it's hard. Just relax and enjoy it because it's all going to be okay.
0: I love that. That's great.
2: And also Dave's going to want you to do a podcast in a couple of years
0: <laughs>
2: and try do to get 75. Do it 5 if you can.
1: Whatever he says. Also bet on the Patriots. Every Super Bowl they're in, just Tom bet Brady. on the Patriots. And then
2: go Buccaneers.
1: <laughs> Except for that one. Yeah. I mean, I, I think my biggest struggle and I actually feel like I've done this pretty well, but I just can't say it enough to myself. is just to be present. You know, there's I have this app called Time Hop and it's my favorite app. Every morning it's one of the first things I look at. And it's it takes pictures from whatever day for every year you've got pictures on that day. And it's just such a sobering reminder of the speed of time. You know, like here's what you're doing a year ago today, two years ago today, three years ago. And there's so many times I see my kids and they're tiny. And I'm like, I would give a million dollars to have an hour with three-year-old Ben or two-year-old Zanna. Or, but at the same time, I'm like, I feel like I did a pretty good job of being there. Mm-hmm. You know, just kind of like being still. But I think that's just something I would really double down on. It's like as much as you can think to be present, just be present.
2: I do love that app because Dave, Dave will send us the four of us, our wives. We have a text thread, and Dave will often like send us that that day's picture because oftentimes it's like our kids together, and so it is such a. I do feel like that is a sort of a hack that we have that our parents didn't yeah. have that yeah, helps right, us right. stay in that mindset. Yeah, but it's like be present and also know it's never going to be enough. It's always going to go by too fast. It's a yeah. There's no right. way that it cannot go by too fast.
1: I mean, I remember with Ben vividly putting him down to naps and taking my hand and just feeling his legs and his arms and his little head and thinking, remember how the, the weight of him, how he feels on your neck, it's going to go away. And I would, I, I mean, I couldn't be more present. It was like, I was matrix, you know, I was like Neo in the matrix and and I was like, Oh, that's the weight of his little breathing and his little folds. And then like, you know, I've already, I'm like, what was that like again? You know, so you can't do it. But I think I love how you some do that version with of all that. of our
2: guests too that we interview them. In yeah,
1: yeah, I do. And I just hold them. Which I, I hold them tightly. And I just feel their, <laughs> they're, you know, their shaved faces they're on stubble. my neck. <laughs>
2: they're stubble.
0: So just to close out, what is bringing out the best in you right now?
2: I mean, to answer on a lighter side, I feel like this summer has been great. The summer oh, has always it's been, been for me, is yeah. always tricky because it's like the kids get out of school. I am guilty of always just having like rosy colored glasses for like the future. Like this summer is going to be the best. The girls are never going to fight. You know, like everything's, we're going to eat healthy all the time. And then it's, it's always like, it's too busy. It's too busy. We have too many trips. And the next thing you know, it's like, why, we're buying backpacks already, you know. And this summer has been really great. I just feel like, this summer taking my girls to the pool i'm kind of doing some of the things that like selfishly that like i i did as a kid you know and i want to do those things with with my girls and i feel like the summer has so far has really been great i mean it hasn't we've had our tough times because we have kids and we're humans but it's been great
1: yeah you know what i love during the summer is like dusk you know like right as the sun is setting we were playing baseball in the backyard last night at like, you know, whatever that is, 730. And it's just like that little time of the day is just so sweet. It's like right before everybody's going to bed and, you know, everybody's running around the backyard. And I was like, man, this is wonderful. That that little magic hour in the summer to me, you know, it's just so great. So I think that's been really fun.
2: I just love those moments where you can just quietly to yourself and it can be like random moments, but you're like, this is one of those moments. This is like, this would make the the montage yeah, yeah. of my yes, life. Yes, yes. This little yes. innocuous moment right here. Yep, yep. That's
0: beautiful. I love that. Well, thank you guys for coming on and just sharing with us a little glimpse into your world and a little glimpse into the Dadville podcast. Tell everybody how they can find you and, and connect with your work.
1: Yeah, it's Net 172 underscore like.
2: This is where Dave and I are terrible yeah. we are i mean it is comical we're always uh, like do we have a website, where, is our where website? Do people get, uh, i don't know dadville podcast yeah Dad podcast. Can, yeah 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 yep.
0: it's great it's fantastic it, you just have great conversations a lot of depth super relatable talking about real things and um really appreciate you guys well, you have been very yeah, kind
2: thank you thank you for having us on
0: Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of The Best of You. It would mean so much if you take a moment to subscribe. You can go to Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts and click the plus or follow button. That will ensure you don't miss an episode and it helps get the word out to others. While you're there, I'd love it if you'd leave your five-star review. I look forward to seeing you back here next Thursday. And remember, as you become the best of who you are, you honor God, you heal others, and you stay true to your God-given self.